What's up, everybody? Welcome to the ATL Sports HQ live show, the show for the fans by the fans. This is episode lucky number seven, and I say lucky because we got a special guest with us today. Nia Sapp will be joining us, and uh, she'll be sharing her sports knowledge and probably schooling us on a few things while she's at it, too. My name is Bob Lancaster. You can find me on uh, Twitter, all through social media, Bowling Bob. I'm ATL Phil, Phil Beasley. You can find me at underscore ATL Phil on Instagram and Twitter. What's going on? I'm Derek Clemens. You can follow me on Twitter at D Clemens. Hey guys, I'm Nia Sapp. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nia on air. Awesome. You can follow the site at atlsportshq.com and atlsportshq on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Also, the show can be found on all major podcast sites now, including iTunes. I, iTunes. You'll probably find it on iTunes, too, but how about iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much any major podcast site. Uh, Phil, uh, why don't you uh, shout us out for uh, some writers, man? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, we're trying to build something special here at ATL Sports HQ. You know, we've lost a lot of people this year with great success always comes with people moving on to bigger and better things. So we're definitely looking to re-up some of our staff. Uh, we're looking for writers, contributors, pretty much anything. So if you want to join the greatest thing in the city, uh, give me a shout on my Twitter and Instagram and we'll get you linked in. Awesome, man. Well, let's get right to it then. Let's start with our first topic, championships around here. Atlanta United won the MLS Cup with a 2-0 victory over the Portland Timbers. Our boy ATL Phil was in the building for the victory. So give us a game recap and explain what the atmosphere uh, atmosphere was like in the building, Phil. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. I mean, I got there maybe about two hours before kickoff. The atmosphere was just uh, nothing Nothing can compare to any other sporting event that I've been to in my life. Uh, you know, the crowd started to get a little nervous there when uh, right before the first goal. But once we got that first goal, man, it was like the roof blew off the building. And then when we got the second one, man, it just started to feel real. And, you know, in my mind, I just kept waiting. I just kept waiting for something to go wrong because, you know, this is Atlanta. So... Even when Joseph subbed off in the 75th minute, I was just like, oh, man, I don't know. That's a little early to sub him off, but we held on. We got the first championship. We parted in there for like an hour after the after the celebration, and it was just – it still almost doesn't feel real. You know, with everything that's happened with me in the past week, none of it feels real, but I'm definitely excited. We finally got one. Hopefully this will lift the curse. Uh, maybe the Braves will get one soon. Eventually, maybe the Falcons. Uh, and then one day, maybe in about five years, maybe the Hawks will get there. But that's a whole other story. Yeah, what was, you know, you also went to the parade. How was that? Yeah, that was, that was great, too. And for one day notice, uh, a rainy, cold Monday morning, man, that was incredible. So many people were out there. Uh, it was really exciting. Yeah, they said the estimate was like two hundred thousand people. That's a, you know, and you and I were sitting in there. We we were talking, and, we, and you and I we guessed a really high number. Um, again, for someone that's seen, uh, um, you know, seen a parade for MLS and seen how many people will go to something like that, I wasn't shocked at all. It was it was actually good to see. Um, you know, especially because it was cold and rainy and windy, that didn't hold nobody back. Imagine if it was like a few days after when people had time to get off work and stuff and the weather was out. That would have been absolutely incredible. But Nia, do you think the MLS Cup should be considered a major championship for the city of Atlanta? Most certainly. Um, I feel like if you're a professional team, um, especially in the, the city of Atlanta, I really feel like that should, should be considered something. Um, I feel that now that they won the championship, that you know more people will kind of vouch for them. I, I feel like... Um, the program is growing with the Atlanta United. Um, and I mean, honestly, it'll be better than what we have now, but most of yeah, That's true. One, one is better than nothing, you know. <laughs> the last championship for the city was 95 for the Braves. So it's been a long time coming for, you know, the city to have anything to celebrate. But yeah. Eric, do you think the MLS Cup should be considered a major championship? I mean, yeah, it's a professional league. And I mean, you can just tell like the outcome, like y'all said, I mean, the outcome, like Phil talked about how the environment, you can just, I mean, how many fans were there? 73,000 around that? 1,000 and like 10 or something like that was the total. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that just shows that they're coming out and supporting and how much it means to the city. And you can just tell at the parade of all the videos and pictures I've seen. So, yeah, it definitely counts. Yeah, I, I know what you're going to say, Phil, but go ahead, buddy. <laughs> Absolutely. Can't nobody tell me this doesn't count. It counts to me. So, hey, that's all I care about. But, no, nah, it counts to it counts to a lot of people in this city. You saw how the government reacted to it. Uh, <laughs> shout out Nathan Deal for going out there and getting booed in his little speech. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Keisha was out there, Nathan Deal, all everybody was out there. Yeah, you know, it, um, you know, for me, I, I definitely think it counts as a major. Uh, MLS is becoming a major player when it comes to, uh, you know, having as many cities with sports teams as NFL, NBA, MLB. So, um, you know, they're starting to stake their claim as, you know, one of the top four or five sports. And you look at the attendance all year long for United, they constantly had that many people. It wasn't like this championship game was a one-off where everybody decided to just show up and, and, and go just because it was a chance to win. You know, it's been that way all year long. Um, the city has really adopted this team as their own. So, you know, again, the people, the people that um, don't think that obviously don't, don't live around here to get the atmosphere of what people, you know, how, how excited people were for that championship. But, with Joseph Martinez having the season he did winning just about every major award, how does he rank in the Atlanta, you know, sports scene? What I'm looking for though is to give me your Mount Rushmore of Atlanta sports, Derek. You started off with me. Uh, <laughs> we'll put you on the spot early. Definitely Hank Aaron. That's one. We got to say. Julio might be on there just because of how good he is. He's a superstar level. So I'd say Julio's on there from a football standpoint. Um, three, who else? Dominique Wilson, of course. And then we're going to go. I mean, he won the shit. And did that for him. Big Phil's echoing. Yeah, it looks like I froze for a second. I think you're good now. I think you're Someone's got their volume. I can hear echo. We did? Thanks, so. Yeah, we go. Nope. Still have it. Now, hold on a second. We're having technical difficulties. It happens. <laughs> All right. I think we're good. Okay. So go ahead, Derek. What was that again? You're four? Uh, four, I said Hank Aaron, um, Dominic Wilkins, Julio Jones, and um, mm -hmm. go ahead and put Martinez on there. Nice, nice. Phil, what's your Mount Rushmore, man? Uh, I got to go with the same four pretty much. Yeah. Definitely got to keep Joseph on there. The only, uh, the only question mark really would be Julio. Uh, maybe replace him with somebody, but then who are you going to replace him with? So I got to keep it the same four. I say like Julio, Julio's uh, talent, I think, puts him on there really. But you got to figure, you know, if you're putting in a, putting in someone in the top four, you know, uh, and you want to include a Falcon, you pretty much have to, you know, put that between Matt, Matt and Julio, I would think as far as, you know, someone that's, you know, again, you're putting on that statue to, you know, for everybody to see is your city of Atlanta. But Nia, who's your Mount Rushmore top four? I'm definitely going to have to agree with the fellas because um, Dominique Wilson was, I mean, Wilkins, I'm sorry. Dominique Wilkins was definitely top five on my, top four on my list because, I mean, wow. He's the face of Atlanta Hawks sport, or Atlanta Hawks sports. I mean, you know, that, that to me, when you ask anybody, you ask anybody, you know, who do you know on the Atlanta Hawks? Boom. It's either Spud Webb or yeah. Wilkins. I mean, yeah. that, that's yeah. the first thing everybody asks, you know, says to me at least when I talk to them about it. And I hate the yeah, way we kind of did them back then, back in the day. But I mean, I think we kind of made up for it that we, you know, we kind of took the L on that one. But that is definitely my top four as well. Mm -hmm. For me, you know, uh, I definitely think Hank Aaron is is on that list. I definitely, I definitely think Dominique Wilkins is on the list. Um, you know, for, for me being more of a baseball guy, I got Chipper Jones pretty high on that list. So, um, 
you know, I think he would be on there for me. And, you know, I, for me, it's again, it's between Julio and Matt. And I just think, you know, Matt gets so disrespected on here that, or, you know, in this city that I think they would leave him off and put Julio on the, on the Mount Rushmore. And, but, and you can't argue with that. Julio's done so much for the city and so much for that football team that it's not like it's a bad, you know, a bad thing to say that he's, uh, um, yeah, he's on the Mount Rushmore, but yeah, it's again when you when you're talking about a top four of any city, you know, it's always you got to go back and you got to think, you know, oh, was this guy good? You know, was this guy good enough or stuff? But you know, I definitely think you know Hank Aaron for sure and Dominique. You know, we can all definitely agree on those two, but I think the other two are up. I just think Joseph is he's got a lot more to give before you know he really cements himself on the mountain. You know, but he he's headed there. I mean. What a way to make yourself known, win championships. Another, another person, though, uh, Deion Sanders. He might be up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, but Deion, Deion's one of them guys, though, that could be on the Mount Rushmore of about four cities. I mean, yeah, just, uh, yeah. you know, that that he was that good. You know, interesting, though, that, uh, you know, that that 30 for 30 next week is on Deion. It could be one of the best 30 for 30s ever. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. One of my favorite players of all time. So, but uh, let's move on to the Atlanta Hawks. Um, Trey Young versus Luka Doncic, part two last night. The Mavericks pulled it out, 114-107. Luka had 24 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. Well, uh, uh, yeah, Trey had 24 points, 10 assists, didn't have any rebounds. But both had pretty solid games. What does Trey Young bring to the Hawks that Luka Doncic could never have brought, Nia? Um, honestly, between both of them, they're extremely great players. Um, but I feel that Young, you know, he's a smaller player. Um, he has really good court vision. Um, he's really good passing skills and things of that sort. And then versus Luca, you know, he's six eight. Um, I feel like he he has pretty good court vision. But um, honestly, with Trey, he's a playmaker. Um, he gets his teammates involved. He can see the court and. I felt like I feel like that's what the Hawks were looking for. They were looking for more of a playmaker, you know. So um, I definitely see that between both of them. I feel like Trey, um, he still has a long way to go as far as his development um, in the league, but I feel like he's going to be something very special for the Hawks. So yeah, with Trey, you know, um, I they all I think they hoped for the longest time that Dennis was going to be that guy, you know, that like you said that playmaker for the team, and, and he showed the flashes of it. But then his off the court stuff would happen, and you know, just the it seemed like the leadership lost trust in him because you know, again, they were wanting someone not only to be the the court leader, but also to be you know, a, we've talked about it before, a face of the franchise. So you know, um, and that's what you know. I think that that you know he brings to that to the table. You know, is also being being just a great uh, face that the that they could pitch to the season ticket guys. You know, you're not going to pitch a guy like Rico Doncic to your season ticket holders here in Atlanta. It's just not going to happen. So, but mm-hmm. but Phil, what does Trey bring to the Hawks that Luca could never have brought? Yeah, like you said, uh, Trey is definitely going to be the face of the franchise. I feel like with Luca, his numbers are looking a little better this year because look at the cast around him. Dallas has a very good mix of youth and veteran players. They have a solid team. They were only able, they were only in this position to get him last year because of all the injuries they suffered last year. So really, Dallas is a team that is built to compete by next year. They brought in DeAndre Jordan. Harrison Barnes is back healthy. Wes Matthews is back healthy. Dirk is about to come back. They have a really solid squad. With Atlanta, you have Trey Young out here trying to pass to Miles Plumley and stuff. And Miles Plumley can't even catch a he couldn't catch a volleyball all if it was right in front of his face. So you just he's his numbers are really suffering and the defenses are able to latch onto him from half court if they want to. So Trey is getting no space. He's getting double teamed. And we had our man Austin Rivers out of Washington talk about it. Trey is being defended like he's Steph Curry or something. And also, like you said, from a marketing standpoint. Trey Young is great for what we need here. Let's face it, there's not a lot of buzz. There's not a lot of hype around the Atlanta Hawks. It's kind of a sleepy team. So you need somebody that can bring that energy. And now we have the tandem of John Collins and Trey Young that we can build upon. 
And all the people out there talking about, oh, we made a mistake, blah, blah, blah. We drafted the wrong guy. Also, keep in mind, we're also getting another player out of this. We're getting Dallas's pick next year, which will fall, I'd say, anywhere between 7 and 12. So this isn't it. Well, you know, we talked about it just a few minutes ago. You know, when you when you ask people about Atlanta Hawks, you know, you get the Dominique Wilkins response. We're a short maybe year or two away from when you ask that question, people are going to say Trey Young. I mean, that's just, you know, uh, and, and, it, and may even say the same about John, you know, but, um, you know, but to me, you know, they they're pushing they're pushing Trey enough forward to the audience that. Um, you know, again, it's he's going to be mainstream. You know, they the fact that you know the major major markets are already covering this Luca Trey story shows that both of these guys, you know, they they automatically want there to be a rivalry between the two because they need the NBA needs something to market down the line too. You know, they need that next. You know, Kobe, LeBron. You know, so hey, let's start let's start the buzz for. Luca Trey and go from there, but man, America, man, what is he? What do you think he brings that you know Luca could never have brought here? Uh, I think, I think the biggest thing is the impact that Trey Young has. I mean, he's his ability. He's able to run a team, and I, I mean, nothing against Luca. I think he's going to be an amazing player in the league, but I don't think that Luca has that same ability to make the players around him better. I think Luca needs to be in a position where he has weapons around him. So, and I think Trey Young, I mean, Trey Young's shooting terrible from the three-point line, but he's still being very productive. So I just, his impact that he has on the team, he brings a lot of attention. So when you think, when you add other weapons around him, like John Collins, and you add more people, I think his numbers are going to be higher and he'll be able to produce more and make the team better around him. I think the biggest, to me, the biggest impact is um, again the marketability of him. Um, I mentioned on the radio show Sunday that uh, you know you're putting out a young African American male in a community like Atlanta, stuff like that, where um, he's going to be able to reach the younger kids coming through. Um, you know, going to camps, stuff like that, more than you know, bringing in an international player like Luca could do. I mean, you know, it's just. Uh, you know, with Grant Hill, you know, really running things uh, pretty heavy and stuff, you know, he knows how the business side of the NBA works. And so, um, you know, he made the best decision for the team's money. And, you know, the fact that, you know, he, it's not like he's a slouch or anything. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, but, you know, it's just uh, they, they know what they needed to bring in to sell to sell tickets. I mean, and we're, we're lucky that that happens to be the fact that this guy could be really good down the line too, you know, and we're building and, and Phil said, you know, we, we're not done yet. We still got picks next year to roll with. So, you know, we're just going to build something around him. But it was nice to see yesterday, at least that there was three guys in, with 20 points. And then Kevin Herter was right behind him with 19. That's the probably the most spread out line I've seen all year for points wise. Um, you know, but yeah, especially to be hanging out, hanging with the Mavericks who are really playing well right now. And uh, so that that was nice. at home. Yeah. Uh-huh. So. I'm actually happy that you said that about uh, Trey Young and with the marketing and you know having that African American male uh, kind of figure because I felt like Atlanta has lacked that when it came to the Hawks. You know, um, you know having th- that hero, you know that hometown hero. I feel that we kind of lacked that for years. You know, you don't you didn't see so many kids saying, oh, you know, I want to go to a hockey game and I want to be like so-and-so. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. LeBron. Oh, I want to be like LeBron. I want to go to a game and go see LeBron play. So I feel that if Trey keeps at the way he's going, I really feel like, you know, it'll get to that point. When you, when you walk into, um, you know, uh, when I was younger, when I, when I would walk around in Seattle, man, I would see Sean Kemp jerseys. I would see Gary Payton jersey, you know, and that, and, and, and that was really – you know, you really got that. When you go to LA, you saw the Kobe jersey. When you went to Cleveland, you saw the LeBron jersey. You come here, you don't see nobody. I mean, I'm trying to think offhand who the last Fox jersey that I saw multiple of. I, I can't even tell you who it is. Probably Dominique. And that's, you know, and how long ago was that? And I've only lived here for six years, six, seven years or so. Yeah. So, and, you know, that's that's still who I would say I've seen the most jerseys of is Dominique. Yeah. So you bring up a fantastic point that, you know, again, this is someone that they can push in the face. 
you know, the young kids can emulate, look up to him. Exactly. And, uh, and again, that to me was another reason why they got rid of Dennis because they were looking for a face. They needed someone like that. And so he was, you know, this is, this, I hope it clicks. I really, really do. Because, how, how Trey Young uh, carries himself, plays yeah. a part in that too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's funny because, you know, his, his face, he doesn't look like a young college guy. I, I always say he looks about like he's about 30, 30, 40 years old in his face, you know, but, you know, but he does, he carries himself well. I watched him and um, a lot during the rookie premiere weekend and um, he did a lot of interviews and stuff, press interviews, and he just held, he held himself well. And it was great. That was his really their first chance to present themselves to media um, fans. There was a lot of fans there because a lot of the trading card companies are there. They take all their pictures. And uh, um, yeah, he just, he was really, really well-spoken, um, talked about the excitement of playing in Atlanta. Um, and, and he was really excited about uh, playing for Grant Hill. Um, and so uh that I knew that he he would be really good, and and I just you know I was more excited to see what he could do with everybody else when they were healthy. So um, and now that John Collins is back, you know we're about to talk talk about him right now. But you know they they've shown they're starting you're starting to see the little things now. You know they're not winning, but I, I want to see the little things build up to winning. You know so and that's that's all you can ask on a rebuilding team is that they fight, they're showing improvement. And, you know, I really haven't seen that much regression. There's been a few games that have been pretty bad, but overall, you know, this they still seem to be, you know, tuned in in the fourth quarter, even when they're losing. So, you know, shout out to, you know, Coach Lloyd for that. So, but uh, my next question, Derek, is how good has John Collins been over these last two weeks? I mean, he's been great. I mean, he looks like he's the best player on the team, which he probably is. And, I mean – uh, yesterday against the Mavericks, I mean, that was the most aggressive I've ever seen him play. He was just going up, powering over people, grabbing rebounds, and then going up and finishing the ball, dunking it, and not doing – I mean, sometimes he falls into the habit of double clutching on his layups and stuff, but yesterday you didn't see really a lot of that. He did struggle from the field more than he usually does, but as long as he continues to play aggressive like that and crash the boards and stays out of foul trouble – I, th- I think he'll be great for the team. Yeah, Phil, man, you know, we talked about this on, this on Sunday, but how good John Collins been over these last two weeks? Yeah, John Collins has been an absolute monster. Uh, coming into the game yesterday, I know he struggled a little bit from the field yesterday, but coming into the game yesterday, he was shooting 72% from two-point range. That's just absolutely incredible. And, you know, for a guy that size, you'd almost say he's a little undersized for a down-low player, but he – his shooting has been absolutely amazing. And the thing is, they're really not running plays for him. He's getting it off of all hustle plays, rolls to the baskets, backdoor cuts, putbacks. He had about six or seven offensive rebounds yesterday. He had ended up with like 16 total rebounds, which is just incredible. And he wasn't playing against anybody's front line. He was playing against DeAndre Jordan. So really, really impressive stuff. And he's putting these games together in a row. Before yesterday, he had four career highs in a row. Uh, his highs being 30 in the game against Denver on Saturday. And they, even that was against Jokic in them. So, not, again, not a bad front line he's doing this against. So, we're going to continue to see him get better. He's still only playing about 28 to 30 minutes a night. Imagine what he'll be able to do when he gets up to about 34 and really gets back up to game speed because he's only played in about 10, 15 games now. So, what we're seeing, I definitely think it's sustainable. And we're looking at a future maybe 20 and 10 guy. Uh, when we get this thing right, him and Trey are going to be a tandem for years to come. Yeah, I, you know, I agree with that for sure. You know, uh, Nia, how good do you think he's been? Wow. Um, I actually, I was across the street from Phil last week um, on Saturday while he was at the United game. I was at the Hawks game and uh, he had a 30 piece against the Nuggets. And I mean, this guy is, I mean, he's hungry for it. You know, he's super aggressive. I'm loving his energy. Um, You know, he's pushing the ball up. I mean, he's getting rebounds. He's diving on the floor. It's it's like the little things that he's doing. So I feel like his confidence has definitely grown over the season and that he's just getting more and more confident. And it's going to be so scary, you know. And, you know, with him and Trey side by side, I mean, you got Vince here and there. You know, it's just I feel like with this, with John Collins really coming up and 
um, contributing more and being more aggressive and just being a monster out there is just going to be a really good thing for the Hawks. So, I mean, even the last 2.6 seconds of the game, I don't know if you guys heard, but he got ejected for uh, knocking over Malik Beasley. But it's just like, you know, he's hungry, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just his aggressiveness. It's it's amazing. So I'm loving it. I hope he continues to keep up this and just be more consistent and I hope to see great things soon. So yeah, he um, you know, he was so good coming out of college. Um, I was uh very, very happy with the pick when they made that one as well. Um, and uh, I, I didn't expect I didn't expect him to be picked by Atlanta, but um, I was definitely very happy when they did. Uh, I was not, you know, it was him getting knocked out with injury earlier and not and not being able to really work. Uh, in preseason with uh, Trey, um, kind of has I think has hurt their their little their confidence together a little bit. You know they're trying to play you know play together a little bit more, but he's starting to show signs of being a superstar. I mean I I think you know Trey has has showed some some signs of of being there. John Collins to me is ready to jump to that level. I mean, again, he's he's doing what he's doing in thirty minutes or you know late or, yeah, high twenty, early thirty minute mark. So it's going to be interesting to see what he'll be able to do. You know, when he is playing full time, it definitely looks like his legs are back underneath him. He's moving down the court well, uh, grabbing rebounds. I mean, he finished with seventeen yesterday. And, um, you know, that's that's huge because one thing Atlanta needs is someone crashing the boards. Um, I, for me, next year, I'm, I'm hoping that one of these picks down the line is a good, at least a decent center to be on the team to grab the, you know, grab some boards. But uh, um, he, he has been everything and more for this team. So, again, when he's fully healthy and they put pieces around those two, we're, we're starting to slowly build, you know, slowly build a team, they remind me a lot of Philadelphia, which is, I think, why Pierce was so interested in taking the job here. Um, I think he sees that, you know, the young talent coming across. But I think that they're ahead of their rebuild that than Philly was when they started building through theirs. Um, I'm, I'm not expecting five years of losing with this team. I I would be really disappointed next year if we're not in the 30 to, to 40 win range. So, um, you know, at least, at least 30, you know, but uh, – We'll just have to wait and see, but uh, that kind of goes into my next uh, question too. Uh, are the Hawks exceeding your expectations, or are they who you thought they would be so far, Phil? Man, at first, like the first twenty games of the season, I was like, "Oh my god, this is awful." I was at the games. Yeah, you seen me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was at. Oh God, get me out of here! What kind of mistake did I make? But <laughs> nah, they've been. They've been better the last few weeks. Ever since John Collins came back, they've been much more watchable. Uh, and they're just – they're playing hard. They really are playing hard. They're, of course, there's going to be some times when we get blown out because, I mean, look at our roster. But yeah. for the most part, they go out there and they, they got – like last night was a perfect game if you're a tanking team. You yeah. really fight hard three quarters and then you just don't have enough to get over the hump in the, in the fourth quarter. But that's that's all you want to see from these guys. Just fight hard. You'd like to see the three point shooting be a little better. We're taking like the fourth most most in the league, and we're shooting the worst percentage in the league. We're down to thirty one point seven percent as a team. That's 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 not going to win very many games in today's NBA. But also, you're seeing them start to adjust a little bit to that too. They've really been pounding the paint. I think uh, one game we had like sixty something points in the paint, which is really really good. So. You know, they're adjusting, uh, you know, Coach Lloyd Pierce, he's learning on the fly. So it, it's a process. You know, I think we'll still get to 25 wins this year. It'd be nice to see 30, but that's not going to happen. But, yeah, so, you know, yeah. They're, they're out there fighting. You know, Trey Young, his when you're When you're rebuilding, that's what you want to see. You just don't want to see them slouched on the bench in the fourth quarter getting blown out by 30. You know, to me, the biggest, the biggest sign – of, you know, the non-quit to me was the Vince Carter 25,000-point game. 
how excited and how into it they were to make sure Vince got that 25,000 point, you know, in, in a blowout game, kept them, kept them moving, kept them going, you know, just wanting to be there for your teammates. When you're, when you're a bottom feeding team and you know that you're going to be a bottom feeding team, it's so easy to just, you know, just cruise through the season and move on to the next one. But, and I have not seen that. So, but, uh, uh, Nia, what do you think? Are they exceeding your expectations, or are they who you thought they would be? Um, it's starting. I, I'm. I really want to have faith in them. It's just more of like uh, I know it's trial and error with rebuilding. Um, so I kind of didn't get my expectations too too high, um, but I can see a lot of growth in the team. Um, just witnessing witnessing it myself in person um, last week. So. You know, I'm not expecting them to come out and, you know, be a championship team right now, but I do see a lot of growth. And if we continue to rebuild and um, kind of clean house with certain players, um, I feel like we could definitely at one point be the team that we should be. Who's, who surprised you positively or negatively this year with the Hawks? You know, someone that you thought, oh, you know, they were going to be good or, or someone you thought, well, they were going to be bad, but they are really good. have to say, I mean, okay, I, I love Vince Carter. I'm a huge fan of Vince Carter. But Vince Carter, this is what his 21st year? Yeah. I was not expecting Vince to still be going as hard as he is. So, <laughs> you know, just witnessing that in person as well was amazing. Um, That was actually my first time ever seeing Vince play in person, and I'm like a huge fan. But um, I'm, a, I'm a Vince, like, that's my guy, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Here, I, I couldn't believe it. Hometown, so it's just like, you know, just the witness that was amazing but I definitely was not expecting Vince to still have you know be Vince so that was definitely a shocker for me but I'm happy to see that he's still going at he's gonna make such a good head coach when he leaves the game that's what I what I think he brings to the Atlanta Hawks more than a player I, I count him as a player assistant coach you know you see him sitting next to the guys when they have a bad game talking to them explaining the game to them it's you know, it's so nice to have a, a, a veteran like that Ex explain not only the game, but the NBA culture, getting these guys to make sure that they're not violating team rules. Um, you know, those things are big there. And, and it's, you know, again, for him to come in at, I think, what, $2 million, I think is what he took, you know, and to bring that to the team, to me, that's, you know, that's priceless. I mean, I, what I, I would I would pay two million to hear Vince Carter talk about basketball, you know. So it's worth it, worth every penny to me. But uh, Derek, what do you think, man? Are they, are they exceeding your expectations, or are they who you thought they would be? Uh, the one thing that has surprised me, like y'all, but all of y'all talked on them, just their fight that they continue to play with. I mean, they go out there every night. You don't see people complaining, and they continue to try to win games. I mean, they're not falling into the tanking thing and just along for the ride, they're actually competing and trying to win. So, I mean, that's been like impressive to me. And I mean, I didn't have high expectations coming into the season. I mean, you just look at the roster and you could tell, but I think, I think they're kind of exceeding them because they're the way that they're playing, the way that they're fighting until the end. And we're not just getting blown out every night or something. And we're competing with some of the top teams in the West and in the East. So I'd say they are exceeding. Yeah, you know, to me, for me, it's definitely uh, exceeding expectation, even with you take away the win-loss record. Um, again, we, we've all said it, the, the fight that they're putting up through through four quarters, it seems like they have that one quarter every game that just ends up costing them, you know, the – the game and so you you take away you take away that one quarter most of the time this year seems like it's been the third third quarter they just can't come out of the locker room ready to go in the third but um you know and so uh i just i love that again when you have a when you have a young team like that they got to they've got to experience these defeats and and understand how how to play the game before you can take the next step um you know we we just got to see this especially in atlanta um, I don't think that people would have bought into this rebuild of the Hawks had they not seen the Braves just go through it and seeing what having a bunch of young kids can do to, you know, change the culture of a team, change the success of a team. 
And so, um, you know, people are buying into now, now let's get rid of, let's get rid of these guys that were only going to bring us to the second round or third round of the playoffs. And now let's, let's, let's build a team that can take us to the Eastern conference finals again. And who can take us to that next step? You know, we're, again, we're a good couple of years away, but it's nice to see some sort of progress towards that. And like you said, they're hanging around with some of the better teams in the league. Um, it's funny because the games that we've been blown out in were against some actually poor teams. So, um, but it seems like against the really good teams that we we've held our own. So I'm not disappointed in them at all. Uh, and uh, again, I, I, I'm hoping this time around when I go to the game on Tuesday, it's not as bad as the Sacramento game. That's for sure. So, oh, yeah, <laughs> that was the worst one I've seen. <laughs> All right, let's move on. The Atlanta Falcons got to talk about them eventually. So they lose again this time to Green Bay, 34 to 20, and now are officially eliminated from playoff contention after high hopes going into the season. Super Bowl here in Atlanta. Very, very, very disappointing. Uh, we, we now got to start looking ahead to the 2019 NFL draft. If the Falcons are to get a top five pick, which is looking like they're number four right now for a pick, what position could or should they possibly target, Derek? Uh, that I say number one on the list is the defensive line. We got to fill that in and offensive line, too. Um, Someone that I like, I mean, I still, I'm still very high on L. Oliver. I don't care about his anger issues or whatever. I mean, that can be handled in the NFL. I like him a lot. But I, the defensive line, it just, we definitely need to continue to build that. We have no pass rush, which is also, I like uh, Josh Allen if he's still there, which I don't think if we, if we stay at four, I don't think Josh Allen will make it all the way that far, but his pass wrestling ability that he showed this year was amazing. And I just, we still need that. It's been a problem for so long. I mean, I guess in 16, in 2016, we obviously had pass wrestling, but it just, it still has, hasn't been to the level that it needs to be to be a really good team in NFL. Yeah. You know, I, the, um, this last game was uh, uh, the, um, the best for pass rushing and and like what I said, I said why why is it take, did it take to week fourteen to all of a sudden establish a pass rush with the team? You know I don't know if finally they're comfortable with Bruce Irvin now, but still I'm not buying it. I, I, the reason because the reason that the pass rush looked good that game is because the Green Bay's uh, offensive line was all hurt. Mm-hmm. They had it was pretty much their second string. Yeah, yeah, that is true. They've they've been injured quite. They have quite a bit as many injuries as we've had. So, but they've their theirs has been on the offensive side of the ball, not on the defense side of the ball. But Nia, why? You know, who do you think if they get a top five pick, who and what position should they target? Um, I cannot really speak on that. Um, you think there's a position? You know, you think it should be like defensive line, or you know, definitely defensive line. We uh-huh. we have struggled. Yeah, and there's so many different positions. That you know, I go, I go through, and I look, I go through, and I look through this. Uh, you know, who we have starting, who has been struggling, you know, and there, there are. There's just you pick a position, and you can find someone. That's why they cannot afford to mess up this draft at all. I mean, especially this this top pick that we're gonna that we're gonna have here in Atlanta cannot screw it up. But Phil, who you got in mind? Man, we need a quarterback. Matt Ryan costing us nine. Oh, it's funny. It's funny that you say that, though, Phil, because I do think this is the year that they do need to draft a quarterback, fifth, fourth, fifth round. But it, they, you know, there's some who've been wanting Matt Ryan here for like the past eight years now. But uh, definitely, uh, the either offensive or defensive line. Uh, you gotta you gotta get one of these big guys out of like Alabama or Clemson or Auburn, one of these SEC ACC schools. Gotta snag one of them and start and start uh, snagging up this line. Yeah, Quinnen Quinnen Williams, the defensive tackle for Alabama, he's an absolute beast. But you know the funny thing is the two the two best ones from you know you mentioned with Quinnen and then Derek Brown, the defensive tackle from Auburn. Um, you know, they're, they're both expected to go within the first three picks. So, um, you know, the Falcons are going to have to lose a little bit more 
You know, you know, in, in hindsight, it wouldn't it wouldn't be such a bad thing for them to lose to Arizona this week. I'm just saying, you know, oh, that, it's coming. It's coming. Move them up just a little bit more, you know. So uh for me, um, I definitely think that I, I'd love to see him get Nick Bosa out of Ohio State. He is the real deal. His brother's the real deal, so I know this it runs in the family, but he, he has a little bit of knee injury problems, so you know, being being a defensive lineman having knee problems, that's never a good sign. Ed Oliver, like Derek mentioned, fantastic. I would love to see him come here as well. Uh, but for me, the sexy pick is DeAndre Baker out of uh, out of Georgia. Um, corner has been a bad position for us this year, so I would like to see them move Trufant to safety, put DeAndre Baker in the cornerback spot. And then um, uh, get rid of uh, what's his face, uh, um, Robert uh, Alford. You know, get I, rid of. All. I see. So, I see us getting rid of Alford this year. Uh, uh, this I see us cutting him. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't. Again, he's a sexy pick. I think there's no way they draft a cornerback because that they'll just get a corner out of free agency over over drafting. But uh, there's definitely going to be some new new blood at the cornerback position next year. There's definitely no doubt about that. So, but uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, again, you know, it's been a while since we had a pick this high. Um, I, I can't even think who would be. Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Beasley. Yeah, Vic Beasley. But was he? Was he? He was what? Top ten? I want to say seven five. or eight. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure how high he got drafted, but this you can't keep missing. You keep missing on these draft picks, and you know, again, you're going to run into the same issues that now you, we're hitting a lot in the first round. That's great, you know, but second, third, fourth, fifth round guys, they're not they're nowhere to be found anymore. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to uh, to see what they do there. But if Arthur Blank decides to clean house at the end of the year, who would you want to coach the Atlanta Falcons, Phil? Uh, you just, I would go, I would scour some of these top offensive teams and look at their offensive coordinators because there's no reason that you have Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and the offensive weapons that we have and for us to be struggling pretty much every other year on offense. It's absolutely inexcusable. I think this team should be breaking records almost every year with the talent. We have Matt Ryan as a top five quarterback in this league. Jones is a top one or two receiver in this. So there's no, there's absolutely no excuse. We've got to get it done. And the window is closing, if not already closed. I don't know. Do you think he survives, though? Um, on, I I think it depends on how we end the season. Mm -hmm. If they just end the season flat, he's out of here. And like I said on uh, Game Time on Sunday, uh, Arthur Blank has tasted a championship now. He's going to want more. So he's going to hold these guys to even higher standards now because he even tasted it. He wants to get back there. So definitely, if we don't finish these last three weeks like two and one, or look good at least in the process, heads are gonna roll. Yeah. They gotta show them something. Derek, who do you think, man? Do you, do you see a coaching change, and if so, who you know, who do you, who would you want? Are we talking about Dan Quinn. Yeah, Dan Quinn. Okay, I, I mean, I don't think that he, I don't think he will be gone after the year. I think he still, I think Blank is still comfortable with him and has uh, trust in him, but. If say so that we were to get someone else, uh, someone that I like, I mean, on the college level, I like uh, Lincoln Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma. I think just his off offensive mindset, it would be really good in the NFL, and especially with all the weapons that we have. So I mean, that would be like if we were to uh, make a change from Quinn, but I think Quinn will still be here for at least two more years. I guess it depends on what happens next year. He could end up on a hot seat next season, but I think now he's finally locked in. Yeah. Nia, do you think that uh, Dan Quinn's going to survive after this year? Um, you know, that's a tough question. I, I've, I'm on the side between – I'm in between right now because um, uh -huh. honestly, like how Phil was saying, um, just it just depends on how we end, honestly. Um, I really think that it's more than what we know that's going on. Uh -huh. um, and of course, offensively, like this is just really unheard of. I've never, I mean, 
the Falcons have had tough seasons, but I've never seen them this this bad. Like that's it, you know, especially especially when you know I've always gone back to the Washington Redskins game where they played the best four quarters of the year, coming after coming off some losses, and um, so it uh, you know you, I thought here it is, here's the turnaround that they need. We know they're a good team. And then they just fall flat every game after that. And it's just, again, it's been really, really, really shocking to me. Um, you know, uh, I, I didn't, I had them at nine and seven for the year, but, and, and I didn't have them making the playoffs, but I never expected this. I mean, not, not in a million years. So, but to me, you know, I, I don't think that he's going to survive. Um, they'll put a good, uh, you know, Arthur Blank now sees championships and the look on his face last week in Green Bay when I saw him getting the camera went to him in the in the booth and he didn't look so happy. But the um the name for me is actually uh I could see the 49ers giving up on Kyle Shanahan and I could see Kyle Shanahan coming back to Atlanta. I know Matt Ryan loves him. So uh you know that's just a name I could float out there, but uh, I, or, uh, Arthur Blank is such a loyal owner, though, that it's really, really going to take the, um, you know, take everything for him to get rid of Dan Quinn. But I think that if anybody goes, uh, or if someone goes, everybody goes. I think they clean house all through. Uh, the- I don't that's know. Including, that's Sark. including Mitroff. Sark got to go, no matter what. Uh huh. He got to go. Well, I think that call, your any coordinator call like that, though, is usually based upon your quarterback. If he has a good relationship with Matt Ryan, then Sarkeesian's going to stay because you don't want to keep bringing in new coordinators every year. So if Matt's comfortable with him, he'll stay. But I, I know Matt just had that rapport with you know Shanahan so well that you know I, I could see literally see him coming back. But I think Dimitrov, Dimitrov's on the hottest seat in. Him and him and Arthur, when you, when they stowed that shot into the booth, the the owner's box, that I mean, Chumitrov uh, was just sitting there typing away, not even looking at Arthur. So I'm sure that uh, it was a wasn't a pleasant place to be. But you know, one thing about the off season too is we got to go into another you know off season of the Julio Jones saga. But if the Atlanta Falcons don't extend Julio Jones this off season, do you? You do we see a repeat of the Le'Veon Bell situation here, Nia? I believe so. I strongly believe that. I mean, he should be getting paid, right? I mean, you know, just look at look what he's done. I mean, look at the numbers. So much for the Falcons. I just I can't really fathom as to why it's such an issue as to why this man cannot get paid more than. You can't just keep you can't just keep saying to the guy your your star player we'll get you next year. Oh, we got you next year. We got you next year. We got you next year. The minute they paid Matt Ryan, I was like, uh oh, now where's the money going to go to Julio? Yeah. You know, and you would think they would at least make those adjustments because uh-huh. it's Julio Jones, you know. So yeah, I definitely kind of be the same situation, honestly. Bill, are we seeing a Le'Veon Bell repeat here in Atlanta? I think the Falcons are going to have to sit down and have a long discussion with themselves on the future of this franchise. Uh, because, I mean, you got to start looking at the age of Matt Ryan. you got to start looking at things. Well, is, should we really give Julio a whole new contract? You know, Matt Ryan's only getting older. So, you know, are we going to try to keep this window open? Or are we going to, unfortunately, start fresh? So I think they might let his contract just ride out next year and let him go the year after. I know a lot of fans don't want to hear that, but it's a conversation that's going to be had to have. Well, you won't you won't be letting him go, but you know I guarantee you they'll put that franchise tag on him pretty darn quick. I mean, you've already you've already g'd up all your other guys that need to be paid. So now the last one left is him, and there's no way he plays it down on the franchise tag. No way. No way. That to me, that's a slap in his face. You know, and you know, I mentioned, I mentioned, you know, in, in our chat that uh, pay attention to what happens to Russell Wilson in Seattle in the next few years because they're in the same exact situation where everybody else got paid. It's time to pay Russell now, 
and the money's not really there, and it's going to be the same exact situation. So, but Derek, man, you know, do you think there's going to be a Le'Veon Bell situation here? No, because they're going to do the right thing and pay him. They they have to pay him. There's, I don't see any other option that leads to a good path if you don't pay him. I mean, he deserves it. I mean, he's having one of his best seasons this year. He just broke another record with the thousand. 400 yards five times in a row, uh, passing uh, who Marvin Harrison. Um, but you just you just have to pay him. But I would not be mad at him if he did not play it down if that did happen to him. Yeah, I was looking to see if uh, anybody in chat had, uh, had some opinions on this one. I know, you know, that uh, he's such a big name around here. So it's uh, interesting. I was curious what they were, but they're being kind of quiet there. But, but yeah, my, for me, it's uh, – you know, you, you have to, you have to pay him. But here's, here's where I, I kind of agree with Phil too. You can't lock yourself into years with him. You know, again, you drafted Calvin Ridley. So, you know, clearly they're setting themselves up for the future of the wide receiver position for Ridley to slide more into the Julio spot, Julio to slide more in the, the Sanu spot. Uh, and then, um, so, you know, those changes, but I wouldn't, uh, I would upfront his money, have a lot of guaranteed money. And then, um, you know, because he absolutely has to be paid. I mean, he has done so much for this team and he last year was the first really year that I heard any peep out of him about getting paid. And you're literally going to have that when you watch everybody around you getting, you know, getting these fat contracts and you're playing on a very undervalued contract for what your, you know, stats are, you know, mean to the team and stuff like that. So well, it's going to be one to watch. I definitely wouldn't want to be in that situation because well, if he, if he does hold out whew, around here, it's going to be interesting. So well, let's get into some national news now with some uh, buyer sell and uh, on an Instagram post, someone mentioned this, this went through our ATL sports HQ uh, chat an Instagram post, someone mentioned that Joseph Martinez is the best player to ever wear the number seven in Atlanta. Buy or sell that statement, Nia. Okay. <laughs> Hard, man. I, you know, we all know who wore number seven around here. It's like, okay, um, definitely sell that one. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, that's why I threw it in here because that that's a touchy, <laughs> tough subject around here. But, Phil, you buying or selling? Where's my credit card at? I knew it was. I knew it, I knew it was coming. <laughs> Where is my credit card? I'm buying it. Uh, <laughs> now, look, we said best. We didn't say most biggest impact or any of that. We just said best. And Joseph got the job done. So, he brought the championship, so I got I got to buy that. Derek, what you think, man? You buying or selling that one? You don't even ask me that question. I'm selling that one, and you can't compare the two, so that's my opinion on that one. But yeah, I'm definitely selling. Man, my wife should kill me for this one, but I, I'm selling, man. I I love Michael Vick. I always have through Virginia Tech. And I just he they, you know I, I just love him. She's a she's a huge dog lover, so she'll kick my ass later. But still, you know. Uh, but I just I, I you take away all the personal bullshit. You know he he was electric on the field here and electric on the field at Virginia Tech. One of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen athletically in my lifetime. So you know I put the two best I think I've seen athletically or Randall Cunningham and him. So, you know, that I, I just got to say, again, for me, I just haven't seen enough of Joseph. Um, you know, again, that's great that he gave the title, but he needs a few more years. You can't just tell if it's just he had one great season and we'll never see another good one, or he may get posted and leave. You know, that's how soccer works. So, you know, he may only be around here for a couple of years. So, but on the NBA on ESPN, Tracy McGrady said that in his prime, he could take Kevin Durant one-on-one -on -one in Kevin Durant's prime. Buy or sell McGrady whooping KD one-on-one -on -one in their prime, Phil? 
Uh, people forget now, despite Trace McGrady's uh, prime being very, very compact, when he was at his prime, he was great. I think he just has more tools than Kevin Durant to get it done. I know Kevin Durant has the size, but I think I'll take T-Mac if, in his prime. Yeah. Nia, who are you taking? McGrady? Oh, McGrady all, the, all day. All day. Just going, I'm just going to buy that one. Just a yard. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, most certainly. I love to watch T-Mac's old highlights. I mean, this man was amazing. He was you know, I, I asked this question at work, and I, I was surprised that – how much everybody was on McGrady. And so I, I, I'm never not a big, I've never really followed Tracy McGrady all that much. And so I went back and looked at his stats. Cause the next question I asked the guy that worked was, do you think he's a hall of famer? And everybody's like first ballot, you know? So then I went back today and I looked at his numbers and, and then I started watching some video and I'm like, eh, now I don't, you know, I was all nah, Kevin Durant's my guy. No way. You know, but now, you know, now I'm not so sure, but Derek, you think, uh, you think Trady McGrady, Tracy McGrady could take Kevin Durant? Mm, that's a hard one. Uh, it ain't going to be no whooping. I know that. It's KD, I mean, they're both two of the most best scorers of all time. I think something that gives Tracy McGrady the advantage is his heart and his determination to be on top. I don't think Kevin Durant has that. However, the height. And Kevin Durant's scoring ability, I think KD might pull away. I think KD might might pull away in that one on matchup. Yeah, you know what? When it comes to one on one, you know, uh, again, looking at video today more, you know, I've I've definitely changed probably where I would take T Mac in the prime. But I I really don't like this question all that much because the game, their games were so different. The league was different. You know, when both of these guys playing this. When people always say, "Hey, you know, do you think uh, you know uh, LeBron could take Jordan? You know, do you think Kobe could take Jordan?" Yeah, it, though, it was two different styles. Two, you know, the NBA was completely different then, so it's hard to tell. We'd all love to see it, you know. We would all love, wish we could have seen Kobe versus MJ in their prime, you know. We wish we could have seen you know, the a uh, McGrady against Durant, but we can't, so we can only speculate. But you know, you just never know. So, but yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm going to buy that. You know, I think McGrady could definitely take him. It'd be, I would do like a best of 10 and then, and then see who the better one is, you know, five and five probably with, with, with our luck. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Phoenix Suns owner, Robert Sarver has said that if he doesn't get $230 million in funds to renovate the talking stick resort arena, that he will move the team to either Seattle or Las Vegas. You know, I love my Sonics. They're very, very dear to me. So buy or sell Seattle ever getting another NBA fran franchise, Derek? Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna buy. I think, I mean, I think it's deserving. I think the fan base wants it. I think it will make a lot of money for whoever. And, I mean, I, I think it's going to come soon. I don't know how soon, but I think it's definitely going to happen in the future. Phil, what you think, man? You buying or selling in Seattle? Take out my credit card again, yeah. Definitely, <laughs> Seattle absolutely deserves the team. And how many years has it been now? It's been about 10, 11 years. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous that the NBA is not back there yet. Yeah, you think that uh, Seattle deserves a team? You're buying or selling that? Most certainly. I'm definitely buying that one all the way. Yeah, you know, again, uh, that, that's my heart. You know, I grew up on Peyton and Kim. Yeah, and so uh, I, I'm definitely buying because I know the TV market there is good. They – they were constantly in the top 10 for TV market when they were a franchise. Um, the fan base is definitely there. Um, it, you know, when they, when they moved, they moved to Oklahoma city, it wasn't because of the fan base. It was because the legislature wouldn't push a new arena back, back when, you know, to get, keep a team legislature had to front all the money to get you, you know, to build you, you a new arena. Well now private money has really taken on new arenas and stuff like that. So, um, you know, they, they seem to be more open. I think um, Adam Silver being now the commissioner and having a fresh, fresh set of eyes looking at that um, makes a big deal. I, I would be a little disappointed if if it was a uh, um, if we took someone else's team because I knew how much that sucked when, when that happened to us. I would prefer it to be expansion, 
But the fact that it's, you know, Adam Silver has said multiple times that he doesn't see expansion for you know, five to seven years or so, you know, you got to go with the next best thing, you know, and well, I wouldn't mind Phoenix either. I mean, a good, you know, a young team. Uh, and so, which is essentially what left Seattle when, um, you know, was a, was a building young team. So I, I wouldn't mind some of them guys, but. Well, let's uh, move on, end it with some entertainment news. I have no clue if you guys know what this stuff is, but I'm going to throw it out anyways. Uh, Kel Miller has started floating the idea out of reuniting with Keenan Thompson for a sequel to Good Burger. Buy or sell the original Good Burger movie, Nia? I'm definitely going to have to sell that one. I'm not a big person on spinoff uh, or like re, you know, doing like a the reboot. <laughs> It's it's a classic, you know. Uh-huh. It's such a different era now. Like I love Good Burger, but um, I don't think I would be a fan of it. I love them both though, but it's just it's so different now. They're older. Uh, it may not be as appealing to us that grew up watching it. So I'm gonna have to sell that one for sure. Bill, you selling Good Burger? Buy or sell? I'm gonna buy it. You know, it was a good movie back in the day, and uh. You know, neither of them seem to age for some reason. <laughs> they both look like they both look the same as they looked back then. Um, so I'll, I'll buy it. You know, it'll be a little funny. I'm sure they'll add some new little twists to it. So I'll, I'll buy it. Derek, you buying or selling Good Burger? For his time, Derek don't know nothing. Ah, uh, man, be quiet. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell uh, the good. The first one was uh, is a classic, of course, but. I just the sequels sometimes they do too much and they mess up the image of the movie. So yeah, I'm gonna just have to sell the sequel. You know, Nia uh, said though, kind of took my took my answer. I, you know, I'm selling for the fact that um, again, uh, the audience that Good Burger was for, we're all grown up now. You know, and one thing about it is Kel Miller just ain't that funny anymore. Keenan Thompson is hilarious, and so I think that. Keenan will hold that movie. Plus, they, they had that feud together for quite a long time. They've only, it was recently, I think Jimmy Fallon was the one that got them together for the Tonight Show. They did a skit that even got them started talking about this. Leave Good Burger enough alone. You know, it's just, it doesn't need a sequel. But I mean, but apparently it, it does because people have been, I've been seeing like the, I saw a petition thing for it. And it had like, like 800,000 signatures or something like that for them wanting to do a good burger reunion. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it will be good, but it'll never be as good as the original. But we'll end it with the Birdman stuff here. Rapper Birdman has put his beachfront mansion up for sale in Miami for the cool, affordable price of $15.5 million. Buy or sell Birdman, Derek? You see how he did Lil Wayne? You see how he finessed him? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good with messing with Birdman, but I'm going to sell. Nia, you buying or selling the Birdman? Selling Birdman is poo. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, you buying or selling? Definitely got to sell him. He ruined the career of Lil Wayne. He uh, he ruined Rich Homie Corn. What happened to Rich Homie Corn? Yeah. Uh, he ruined a lot of people. He messed with people's money. I don't expect no. I don't expect nobody who messed with people's money. So definitely got to sell him. We're clean sweeping, man. Birdman is trash. I, you know, he trash. He's trash as a rapper. He's trash as a producer. But I wouldn't mind having his money, though, so he must not be that bad. But, I mean, I just, again, the little Wayne thing really, you know, really sucked. So, uh, you know, to hold someone – anybody that holds someone's hostage, you know, someone's livelihood hostage or someone's album, you know, that that pisses me off. So, you know, it's very it's very Suge Knight. I mean, that's what Suge Knight used to do back in the day. You know, again, you know, hold – hold someone's albums, except he, he was a little more hardcore than Birdman was about holding your, holding your albums hostage. But, <laughs> but, uh, pull up that one time in Atlanta. <laughs> Who was that? Uh, Young Thug and them, they tried to pull up on Lil Wayne one time in Atlanta. They did. Yeah. They shot up, they shot up his bus. I think there's a case open for it right now, actually. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's true. I, you know, the, I, I checked out the house online too. And fifteen and a half million buys you a lot. He had it up for twenty and a half million earlier this year, and nobody touched it. But man, it's a sweet piece of property, that's for sure. But uh, all right, well, that's all we got. Let's do some ending shout-outs. Phil, who are you shouting out, man? Phil, are you frozen? 
Mr. Tech Difficulty. What? Oh man, oh, I I'm think gonna I'm gonna shout you out. I'm gonna shout you out a new router. <laughs> it should be doing good. But uh, definitely shout out everybody listening. Uh, shout out Game Time Radio, where we will be. It'll be we'll be taking over this week, and E has to go out of town. So it'll be me, Bob, and uh, I believe Jansen, right? And actually, shout out Jansen because I'm gonna be doing some stuff with him tomorrow too. So uh, definitely shout out everybody listening. Shout out Nia. For, uh, definitely appreciate you, and you did some great work with us over the summer for the Atlanta Dream. So shout out everybody. Derek, who you shout out, man? Uh, yeah, shout out everybody watching. And like Phil said, uh, we, we appreciated Nia for coming on to the show and bringing your insight. And that's about it. Nia, who you want to shout out? I'm shouting out you guys. Thank you for having me. It was an honor and a pleasure. It's really dope. And shout out to everyone who's watching. Yeah, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna shout you out, Nia. You know, the one, the one thing I get asked the most is, when are you guys gonna bring a, a woman on the show? We're tired of you three boys. So, uh, you know, well, uh, you know, your name got floated out to us, and you know, we definitely all three of us agree that you'd be great to have on, and you haven't been disappointed at all. So, and also, uh, I definitely want to shout out Game Time Radio again. That's an ATL Sports HQ takeover on Sunday. I'll be hosting with Phil and Jansen. We're really excited to have Jansen on on Sunday. So, um gonna be uh it's gonna be a fun sunday that's for sure so look for us then but that's uh, all we got so thanks for listening to the atl sports hq live podcast and we will see you guys next week